Are there any good-looking podcast listeners out there tonight? Soccer dude, rockin' America. He doesn't know soccer, but he's gonna talk about soccer dude, rockin' America. Tactical analysis, transfer news. Unlikely. Hey, that's not what I wrote. I don't really care. We're going with it now. All right, soccer dude, rockin' America. Hello and welcome to episode 60 of Soccer Noob Rocket America. We've got a great show in store for you this week with many previewed matches from all over the world and plenty of learning and weirdness along the way, as if our theme song didn't tell you about the first part of that. Uh, This week we're going to cover the most important matches from all over the globe as we define them as always. You'll see what we mean soon enough. We're going to be covering soccer from the week of December 3 through 9, 2021, Friday through Thursday. Let's dive right in right now with match number one we start off with a match most befitting of our show's title we rock america and we start in major league soccer it's the playoff semifinals the winners of the western conference final will get to play either nycfc or philadelphia union you can catch the western conference final at 6 30 in the evening on fox sports one or fox deportes and the matchup is number four portland timbers taking on number seven real salt lake all the quote-unquote big dogs have fallen by the wayside to these two Who's going to win this one? Well, recent history wouldn't give you much clue. The uh, series between these two in recent years has been 12, 8, and 12. Although, I guess technically I'm misspeaking because the really, really recent history, as in this season, it has been all coming up Portland. They got a 1-3 win on the road against Real and then 6-1 and 3-2 wins at home. Let's talk about your favorites firsts. Would not be their first rodeo if they got to host the hoist the overall trophy they won it in 2015 last year not so much so they were out in the first round of the playoffs how did they get to the conference final they advanced over the number one seed colorado rapids nil one this year the statistically in league second best offense defense not a whole lot above average if at all number seven in that category and so key to this match i think is going to be goalkeeper uh he's actually on the leaderboard for uh clean sheets but the line in front of him hasn't always been exactly red hot steve clark 35 years old it's been a long season does he still have the legs to stand on or to stand on his head, which would not involve legs. It's a strange expression. In any case, uh, longest in his crew with his Columbus crew, fans out in Ohio would know him well. He's been with Portland since 2018. Best all-around player they've likely got going is their Colombian designated player, plays right wing, uh, Yemi Chara. Uh, Other than when he first started his senior career back home in Colombia with a pretty darn good club called Tolima, the longest stint of his career, Uh, has been with Brazil's Atletico MG. They're the team that is on top of the table down there right now and just about to salt away that title again, I believe. Red hot for this club. It'll be interesting to see if he can keep it going. A name that I was less familiar with, Larry's 
Mabiala from the Democratic Republic of Congo. He's a center back, 34 years old, another guy a little bit long in the soccer tooth. Of late, his statistics have looked better. He's actually scored goals in his last two games, really getting up and down the field for a guy his age. Good passer, great tackler, and a decent European resume, by the way. He spent uh, some time with uh, Kaziraspor before here, and then his longest stint, stint was with Karabukspor, which I think is in Turkey's second division right now. In any case, as far as Portland currently, they have won five straight and a very impressive 12-4 to two against goal differential. And now the favorites and the ones that should be most far from your heart, if you will, Real Salt Lake. Noob is not a fan. Why? Multiple reasons. First of all, as I've liked to point out before, and I will never cease to bring up probably, Real. It means royal in Spanish for those who are unfamiliar and clubs in Spain or Spanish-speaking countries were bestowed this title because they had the approval and patronage of a monarch. We don't have those in America. Maybe they're doing things a little bit differently out in Utah, but I don't think so. Also, their their mascot is Leo the Lion. Boo! Every single other club in the world has lions for mascot. We do not vote for lions here. Now, back to the footy and a little more serious. They won MLS Cup, but it's been a while, all the way back in 2009. Last year, they didn't even make the playoffs. So just sneaking in this year was really something, and they've lasted quite a while so far. They advanced to the conference final by beating KC last round, the number B seed. I'll explain that in our next match, number B. Uh, one to two on the road last round. Statistically, this year, kind of looking like a, a slightly poorer man's version of Portland, if you will. Number three on offense, but a downright average at best defense. They were only tied for eighth best in the conference in that particular statistical category. Top 10 league scorer and likely man of the match if they're able to pull off a win. Damir Krylak, their famous Croatian attacking midfielder, 32 years old. Another impressive European resume. He was with a, a decent team over in the Bundesliga, top flight in Germany, Union Berlin from 2013 through 18. But their all-around best player on the season has been their essential attacking midfielder, in my opinion, of Slovakian named Albert Rusnak. And I hope I'm getting his his pronunciation right. He may not be a leader in either category, but I wonder if for overall points scored, if you will, or that he's had responsibility for, he would be. 11 goals on the season and seven assists. Great stats all the way around, but his shooting accuracy in particular has been sensational. And this is not a striker who stands in front of the goal and poaches. So he is really, really good once he gets the ball anywhere close to inside the box. So where is Portland going to be able to attack them? I think that their weak point has been on the midfield line on outside, especially on the left side. Michael Chang Ramirez out of Cuba, of all places. Don't see a lot of Cuban players in my research uh, you know, this past year and change. But he is particularly weak in open space. If they're going to – I would sort of attack the middle – and force them to uh, pass the ball potentially to him quite a bit because he's been very weak, and then people can come up and press him. Or you can just put a press, a high press on the entire team and hope that he's the one that makes the mistake. In any case, their form has been pretty decent as well. Three straight wins, all low-scoring affairs, a 3-1 to goal differential working there. Match number B. Thank you for reminding us always, daughter dearest, that number B is the polite way to say that. Number yuck.
two. Well, that's just bathroom talk, and that's not the way I'm parenting her. In any case, match number B, we head over to England to the knockout tournament that is the FA Cup, where they are in the second round proper of the tournament. In fact, the whole thing has really been going on for months and months as teams from all the way down the English pyramid from level 10 on up, full-on amateur teams have been vying against one another in bracketed format to try to get to the event proper. We are now in the second round of that where professional teams have been starting to enter the fray. So here's what it means when we say we're in the second round. Premier League teams and the second division champion league teams, they are not a part of this yet. But all the way up, all the way up through League One, which is the third division in England, have entered the fray. You can catch this match that we've chosen to focus on at 7.45 a.m. on ESPN+. Plus. You want to watch it online. The reason I love this tournament is the reason so many do. It's for minnow watching. We love to see teams from those lower levels try to fight their way up and maybe pull off some big upsets. Well, the lowest ranked team, if you will, that we have right now. For the seventh level of the English pyramid, Buxton is still alive, and they uh, won their draw, so to speak, and get to play host, but they got a tough draw. They get one of the level three teams. From League One, it is Morecambe. Let's talk about your underdogs first. Buxton, they are known, unsurprisingly, as the Bucks. They are in Derbyshire, which is in sort of the north-central part of the country. It's a spa resort town, actually, Buxton. It's surrounded by Peak District National Park. Park, a town of only about 25,000 people, very outdoorsy, as you might imagine. Bouldering is incredibly popular there. So if you're an enthusiast of rock climbing, this may be an area that's familiar to you. Also, since I'm a little bit of a cinephile, I'll mention that uh, Mary Poppins director, Robert Stevenson, was born there. In any case, they also have the uh, fame of playing at the highest ground above sea level in all of England, which is all of a thousand feet, but that's a long way up in England. Now they've been this far and a little bit further once before they made the third round, but that was all the way back in the early fifties to get to this round in the first round they had, they played underdog and got to play host to York city from the sixth pyramid level. And they beat them nil one. Currently, as I mentioned, the team is at the seventh level. They play out of one called the Northern Premier League, and they're doing very well. They're number three in the standings right now. Or rather, I should say, I don't remember where they are in the standings. It's very high up, but I can tell you that they have the number three offense scoring almost two goals per match. Number one defense as well. They've only allowed 13 in their 18 matches. They've only lost one match on the year. Tied for the top three in league scoring, Diego de Girolambo. He is an English forward. As you might be able to guess from his last name, he is of Italian lineage and, in fact, uh, has chosen to uh, represent in the past for Italy and did so at the youth levels over there for the national team system. But he came up through the Sheffield United youth system. Uh, English Championship League, Bristol City are the best team to have ever had the rights to him, but he was always loaned out. The best, uh, highest-ranked league that he's ever played in in the pyramid was uh, League Two, which is the level four. They're really going to be relying on guys with that kind of experience when they're facing a team that's all the way from League One. As far as the team's current form, uh, they had been unbeaten in 17 straight matches going all the way back to August and had won seven straight in a row until I believe they went just 0-1-1 in their last two heading into this match. And now your favorites, Morecambe, known as the Shrimps, named after the potted delicacy from that particular coastal town. Interestingly, despite the fact that they are nicknamed the Shrimps, their mascot is Christy the Cat. 
cats enjoy shrimps, but that's about the only connection I can make there. Honestly, my best guess is, unless there's some kind of local legend or folklore that I completely missed, it's probably just that a cat costume is cheaper and easier to get than a shrimp costume. In any case, they play out of Lancashire in the northwest part of the country. They are part of an area called the town of Lancaster, but that's not really the town proper. Um, the town of Lancaster, quote unquote, actually stretches way out into the rural area, and this is somewhat of a rural town there on the coast. Looking for some interesting things about it, uh, the I won't go into great deal about it. You can go down a rabbit hole on uh, Google or Wikipedia or whatever you want, but they have or had a theme song called a uh, theme park called Blobby Town, named after, uh, I assume now defunct, but maybe not uh, British children's television series. But I just loved the name and it was very colorful. So again, uh, look into that at your own leisure. We're going to talk more about the footy. Uh, last year, they finished fourth place at the Division 5 level in the pyramid and they got promoted via, via promotion playoffs up into... Uh, they're currently League One. I should say they were D, the Division Four level before. In any case, they're not having the best start to their season right now, but it is a much tougher league than they're used to. They're in 20th place out of the 24 teams. Uh, the offense is a little bit above average, but they've got the worst defense going in the league, letting in almost two per match. League leading score. This is going to be the key guy because if there's going to be any chance of an upset, they've got to shut him down. Cole Stockton, English-born forward. He is the league leading scorer and he has 13 of the team's 29 goals heading into this match, or at least at the time that I scouted it. They may have played one more since then. If they can stop Stockton, they might have a chance. So the team's form, one, one, and one in their last three. Match number three. This isn't a match so much as a series of matches. There are three other FA Cups going on in the world, and I at least wanted to make mention of them. So together they will constitute, quote-unquote, match number three. On Saturday in Uzbekistan, Paktakor is taking on Nasaf in Samarkand. That is a neutral side, I believe. And they take their FA Cup results very seriously there because the champion is going to get to go to next year's AFC Champions League. Sunday, we have the 2020-2021 version of England's FA Cup. Important to uh, note the date because also I believe their 21-22 version is going on or about to start be going on in a very big hurry. In any case, your 2020-2021 final is Arsenal versus Chelsea from Wembley. No international berth on the line, but who doesn't enjoy a big shiny trophy? Noob does. Wednesday in the Republic of Georgia, where there is a Europa Conference League, that's the new tertiary international club tournament going on in Europe, birth on the line. Sam Gurali versus Sabertalo in Katusi, I believe it's pronounced, which is a neutral site. I'm really curious to see how this one turns out because neither of these is, uh, I don't believe, even in the top half of the Georgian Premier League. One of them might be, but just barely. But in any case, those are your other FA Cups going on this week. Enjoy the finals. Match number four. This is the last of our Saturday entries, and we're headed much further north into Europe for this one. Sweden, the Allsvenskan Liga is their top flight league. It's a little bit above average, which is very good for a summer league. I believe perhaps the very best of the summer leagues in Europe. It's ranked number 23 
in UEFA. As such, they still only get one Champions League berth, and that team has to start all the way back at the first qualifying round. But their two entries for the Europa Conference League do get to start in the second qualifying round. And this is the very last match weekend of the season, and there's two very important games going on. Number B, AIK, is going to take on number 10, Sirius, and number one, Malmu, will take on number 13, Homstad's BK. Now, the favorites should win, but that's not always the case when the pressure is on, and it certainly is. Let's take a look at the table. Number one, Malmu, 58 points and a positive 28 goal differential. AIK, they are in second place and have 56 points, 18 on goal differential. So, assuming that AIK don't actually win by six or more goals, your scenario is this. In order to win the league title, AIK have to have a win on this day, and Malmo have to lose. Otherwise, the table will remain the same, and Malmo will get that Champions League berth. So, for a match situation like this, I feel like there's only one person we hear at Team Noob can turn to for an answer. An ironclad answer, in fact, on who's going to win this league. That person, surprisingly, because he's usually not that ironclad in his uh, guesses, let's call them for lack of a better word, uh, given his record on our program, is our in-house prognosticator, 3,500-year-old Noob Stradamus. Please share with us a surely drug-addled vision, oh mighty soothsayer. Greetings from the Thracian plains of Greece. It is I come to divine for you how the top of the Swedish footy league will end. In preparation I have meditated the day and night through unceasingly. Well, except to wish down my expired prescription pills with Aquavit. And now, in my sacred noggin, I travel through space and time. Whee! My mind awakens. Oh yes, I'm the avatar of Loki. This is going to be grandly fun. Your Marvel depictions of him are spot on. He was a laugh riot. But, I'm an Asgard with other gods, and no one's having fun. Skadi is storming us, death in her eyes. She's a giantess, one of the Jotun. Think divine, but not full goddess. And hence the other gods were able to kill her father, Thiasi. She seems frightfully upset about it too, dressed in armor and all weapons of war. Blessedly, we reach an agreement before a battle might begin and life lost. She has been allowed a god for a husband, but may only look at all our feet before choosing. Ha! She thought she got dreamy Baldur, but is stuck with Njord. More pleasing to her, her father's two eyes are set as stars to blaze beautifully in the heavens for all time. Finally, she wishes to laugh. Not easy for the other gods to get a reaction from her, given that she's recently widowed and all. But now what's this? My hands move of their own accord, tying one end of a word to a nanny goat's beard and the other to my... No! 
My testiclaw. I writhe in horrific pain as the goat and my future generations play tug of war. Scaldi falling and laughing out out of this vision. By great Thor's raven, I never saw that coming. Painfully ironic, given my soothsaying abilities. I don't know who's going to win either fool soccer game, but the searing pain in my two... Two... Ah... Uh, noob, the second place team, AIK, will lose their match. Not be league titleists, no matter how Malmo may fare. I have seen, and I have spoken. So just to clarify, that was a cord tied between his, uh, let's say, Loki bits and a nanny goat's beard. Uh, certainly one of the lesser known Norse myths, that's for sure. A uh, colorful one as well. Uh, thank you, I think, Noobstradamus. And remember, kids, gamble wisely. Or if you're going to use something like this, uh, maybe not at all. Match number five. The first of our Sunday matches brings us back to North America. We're headed to Canada. The Canada, Ian, I've got to come up with a better adjective for that because I like Canada. It is their Premier League playoff final. The winner of this, as opposed to a lot of leagues who use the regular season, even if they have postseason playoffs, the winner of this playoff gets to go to the CONCACAF League next year. Quick reminder, not the CONCACAF Champions League. CONCACAF League is a feeder tournament for it. In any case, you can catch it at 4.30 in the afternoon Eastern Time on FS2. And your matchup for the regular season, number one, Forge FC, taking on number three, Pacific FC. Forge FC will get to host. So they'll have it in Hamilton, Ontario. And they have dominated in the brief history between these two teams and for the league overall. In fact, uh, Forge have an 8-1-0 record against Pacific. We'll talk about the favorites first, the Hammers. They advanced to the uh, final by beating York in the semis 3-1. to one. They are the two-time defending champions, second-best offense of the regular season, very best defense, and number one overall goal differential. We've talked about these guys plenty before, but a quick rundown for names to look for if you're watching this game. Moham Babuli, he is on the scoring leaderboard for the league. They get their offense from a lot of different places, but he has sort of been 1A. Tied for number B in assist, Tristan Borge, Canadian midfielder. Second best goalie in the league, by clean sheets at least, is Tristan Henry. But their all-around best player statistically here at the end of the season is a guy I'm not sure that I've mentioned before. So I want you to watch out for him if you decide to tune into this game. Uh, Daniel Krutzen, he is a Belgian defender. I realize you may be thinking, you know what, noob, I'm kind of new like you. Or even if you're not new like me, it's more fun to watch for the offense. This guy is going to be involved in everything. He handles for a quote-unquote defender a stunning volume of passes almost plays more like a central uh, defensive midfielder, if you will, even though that's not formally his position. And he's got an excellent percentage of success on his passes. Plus, he's a very good tackler. Uh, the team's current form, they are 1-2-0 and oh in their last three. They just got knocked out of the ongoing uh, current CONCACAF League by Matangua of 
Honduras. And now the visitor is Pacific looking to start a legacy of their own. They are in Greater Victoria, which is in the southern tip of Vancouver Island. 2019 was their only other playoff appearance in their three years of existence. They went out in the first round. They advanced to this final by beating second place for the regular season Cavalry FC, 2-1 to one in added extra time. Very dramatic finish there. Number one offense by lots and lots. It's not a super high on offensive league, at least not yet, but they averaged well over one and a half goals per match. They've also got a top three defense. Number three league scorer is going to be Taryn Campbell. He is just 23 years old, plays forward for them. Vancouver fans will recognize his name. He played for their reserve team quite a bit, came up through their youth system. And then tied for second best in the entire league at assists is Marco Busos. But red hot of late, another new name, at least for me, Caden Chung, center back, 23 years old. Good passer and tackler, but he really brings some of those box-to-box extras. He can get forward quite a ways. He is excellent with his overall passing and more specifically on his crossing accuracy, and that is what helps lead uh, helps lead this team to have such an amazing offense overall statistically. Their current form, as I mentioned, they beat number two Cavalry 1-3, to three, and that broke a three-match losing streak, oddly enough. They were in position to win this league, but their offense had faded late, but this should be a great final because it seems as if they finally have their groove back in that third of the field. Kitties expressing their innermost desires or desire, which in this case is that they would like a recap of last week's matches that we talked about. So let's give them what they want. Saturday, match number one last week, we looked at the Copa Libertadores final. It was all Brazilian, Palmyras taking on Flamengo, and Palmyras are your first back-to-back champions, I believe, ever. They won 2-1. to one. Sunday was match number B, Major League Soccer quarterfinal between number B from the East Philadelphia taking on number three, Nashville. And it was 1-1 after regular time. And then Philadelphia went on to win 2-0 in penalty kicks. Haney Mukhtar, that was, we said to look for, had a goal. Nashville missed all four of their penalty kick attempts. Just unbelievable. Match number three, uh, the USL Championship final, second division in America. It was the Tampa Bay Rowdies taking on Orange County. And we had an upset. Orange County won 1-3. Congratulations to them on their trophy. Match number four from Mexico, Liga MX quarterfinal. Leg number two of the two-legged tie between Tigres. They played host to Santos. Result was Tigres winning 1-0. The aggregate was 2-2. Two to two. And so Tigres get to advance on uh, either away goals or as uh, the high, just being the higher seed. They've done that before for their tiebreaker. Match number five from the Premier League in England. Number B, Manchester City took on number four West Ham and it was Man City coming out on top two to one. Uh, Nobody moved as far as table position. Match number six from Spain's La Liga. Number one, Real Madrid taking on number three, Sevilla. And the result was Real Madrid with a 2-1 win. Sevilla they dropped down to number four in the table. Match number seven. We looked at a series of FA Cup finals. Sunday in Ireland, it was St. Patrick's coming out on top, getting a trophy 1-1 in regular time, and then they had to win on penalty kicks 3-4. Congratulations. Then we went to Kazakhstan. There, just had to scroll down far enough, where Kairat came away with a trophy, and it was a shootout followed by a penalty shootout. 3-3 in regular time, and then 9-8 on penalty kicks. Tuesday was Malaysia's FA Cup final, and it was Kuala Lumpur City earning the trophy and an AFC Cup 
uh, group stage break. Congratulations to them and their 2 0 win. And then finally, Wednesday, Paraguay. Uh, Olympia came out on top for their FA Cup final, 2-2, two to two, and then had to win 1-3 to three on penalty kicks. That earned them at least a Copa Sudamericana berth. Now, match number eight, we went to Peru, Liga 1, where Sporting Cristal took on Alianza Lima in the final, and it was a nil-nil draw. This was the second leg of a two-legged tie. Alianza had won the... Uh, First one, nil to one, and so they are declared the champions. Match number nine from Venezuela's Primera División. Number B, Caracas, took on number one, Monagas SC. There was Caracas winning 2-0. So with one match to go, here's how the stage looks. They have another phase or stage after this. Caracas and, and Monagas are tied on points in the table. Caracas lead by 10 on goal differential, though. And then match number 10 from the CONCACAF League, a semifinal, second leg of a two-legged tie. Uh, number B, C.D. Matagua from Honduras, took on number three, Forge FC, as far as the seeding from Canada. And they were tied 2-2 two to two after leg one. This result was a draw as well, but it was nil-nil. So the aggregate, of course, was 2-2, two, two, and that means Matagua advanced on away goals to the CL final. Then our bonus match was with explanations coming later. Route of the week was a Monday match from Romania's Liga 1. Uh, number 1 CFR Cluj took on number 16 FC Academia Cheney, and it was Kluge, unsurprisingly, coming on out, out on top 2-0. Man of the match possibility we said to look for, Ciprian Dayak assisted on the first goal. The most meaningless match in the world was from Andorra's Primera Divisial, and it was number 6, Engodani, taking on number 5, FC Santa Coloma. And the result, it was another shootout. Uh, FC SC won 2-4. That dropped Engordani, Engordani down into 7th place. And then finally, your match of disappointed was a Tuesday match from the English Premier League once again. Number 20, last place Newcastle, took on number 19 Norwich. The result was a 1-1 draw. That was actually good enough at the time to move Norwich up to number 18 in the table, but still in the relegation zone. And that concludes your matchup from last week's episode. Now let's dive right back in to next week's previews with... Match number six. Our only other Sunday match takes us to Paraguay, the Primera División. They are in their Clausura stage. A quick reminder for newer fans of the game, most South American and Latin American countries, most years, COVID changed us a little bit in some countries recently, of course, they divide their soccer year into two separate stages, Apertura and Clausura, opening and closing. They basically play like two separate tournaments, two separate seasons, even though they're in the same year. In any case, this is the number three ranked league in all of CONMEBOL behind the two big ones, Argentina and Brazil, number B and number one, respectively, by most accounts. Now, in Paraguay, each of the two stage winners qualifies for the group stage of the Copa Libertadores the following year, which is their Champions League. The country's top flight will send a total of four teams to the Copa Libertadores, as well as three to the secondary tournament, Copa Sudamericana. And this is the last match of this particular stage. And thankfully, we get a really dramatic matchup as far as the table is concerned. Number B, Guarani, taking on number one, Cerro Porteño. The series has been fairly re uh, even in recent years. Cerro Porteño have had the best of it by a little bit with a 26-16 and 16 record. This year, the home teams have more or less gotten it done. Uh, most recently, Cerro Porteño got to host, and they only managed a nil-nil draw. Guarani won earlier in the stage 
2-0 when they hosted, and then Sarah Patenio won the match before that at their place 2-1. Now, both of these teams are already guaranteed Copa Libertadores berths next year, but there is a question of which round they're going to start in. As I mentioned, if you want to get to skip the qualification stages of the CL, you've got to win one of these stages in Paraguay. And here's how things stand. Quite simply, Sarah Patenio lead by two. Guarani want the title. They're going to have to get the win this day. And we will talk about them first. They are known as the Caciques or Chieftains, as I believe it is uh, best translated. They play in the Pinosa district of Asuncion, Asuncion, the capital. Hard ones for me to say today for some reason. Uh, the club, by the way, Guarani, that name is named for the indigenous people of the same name historically from this area. 11 league or stage titles. Uh, they have won to their credit historically. 2016, the Apertura was the most recent one. Last stage, they actually had a below average finish. They only were in uh, sixth place out of the 10 teams, but they got things back on track. Number one offense going by lots and lots, scoring over two goals per match here in the Clausura. Also had a second best defense, only allowing exactly one goal per match, and that was good for the overall number one goal differential. Uh, second best leading scorer is theirs, Jose Florentine, homegrown midfielder. The team's current form, they are just 1-1-1 one, one, and one of their last three, and actually with a three and four goal differential. So maybe fading just a little bit, and even at home, not what you want to do against one of the club, the uh, country's big national historic powers. The Cyclone, that's the nickname for Sarah Porteño. They also play out of the capital city. I think about half the league does. The district they play in is called Obrero. And uh, this is a team that is good enough that I was actually able to find their world or FIFA ranking. They're uh, not too far inside the top 200. But to give you some perspective, that puts them between AS Monaco in France, which when I first started football a little bit more seriously, uh, was one of the very best teams in France. And then Hellas Verona, a somewhat below average, but still a top flight team over in Italy, another top flight league, top five league over in Europe. And they are ranked within the top 30 in all of CONMEBOL. Most of the slots for that, as you would imagine, belong to Brazilian and Argentinian clubs. They have won 33 league titles over the years. Most recent one was uh, very recently, the 2020 Apertura stage. They've also made the semifinals of the Copa Libertadores three different times. It's been a little while, a decade. 2011 was the last time. Last stage, just like their opponents today, they didn't do all that great. They only finished in fourth place. But, and this could be a very high-scoring affair, they've got the number three offense going in the league, but the number one defense, and defense does travel, so this could go either way if they could control the pace, which is hard to do on the road. They've only allowed six goals in 17 matches. Good for second-best overall goal differential. Tied for number three in league scoring, possible man of the match here, Claudio Aquino. He's an Argentinian winger who actually played for Guarani from 2018 to 20. So he's going to be very familiar with what they're doing. And prior to this, he played for several Argentinian Division I top-flight clubs before coming over here. Team's current form, and this is the stat that really jumps out it makes me say, I don't care that they're on the road until they go down. They're my favorites. Six straight wins with a 13 and one goal differential over that stretch. Match number seven. We're going to give Monday and Tuesday a jump. Skip on ahead to Wednesday. These last two days of our soccer week, we will be covering exclusively matches from European tournaments, but all different ones. 
This first one, match number seven from UEFA's Champions League, the group stage. The top two out of each group of four are going to advance to the knockout round. This is the last match of the group stage for all the teams. The particular match we're going to focus on, you can catch on Paramount Plus at 3 o'clock p.m. Eastern time, should the spirit move you to do so. And why not with a group table as tight as this one? Normally, we don't look at uh, too much else besides number one versus number Bs when it comes to stuff like this. But check this out. We're going to look at number four, Wolfsburg out of Germany. Yeah, last place in the group versus number one, Lille. And it is important to both. Lille lead the table at eight. Salzburg are right behind the seven. Sevilla out of Spain have six. And Wolfsburg have five. They could still uh, win this thing. Now, Lille cannot do any worse than third. Uh, they will, uh, if they do drop all the way down to third, they will still get to drop down into the Europa League. Their international season will not be done. Wolfsburg, oddly enough, cannot finish in third. Just sort of a quirk of the math right now. They can finish in first place, second place, or remain in fourth place. The one thing they know for certain is they won't be dropping down to the Europa League. Uh, let's take a look at them first. Wolfsburg is a city of just 125,000, the state of Lower Saxony, which is in the north central part of the country. It's home to the world's biggest auto plant, and it was also one of the very first of the modern eras in Germany. Uh, it was a planned city built to house auto workers. Uh, the very first group there, the first or second line of automobiles they made were the Volkswagen Beetle, which really goes back to uh, my childhood. Not that I'm as old as the Beetle, but they were. Uh, it was definitely a popular car when I was a kid. In any case, back to the footy. They qualified for this particular event iteration by finishing in fourth place in Germany last year. They got the very last berth out of the Bundesliga. 2015-16 Champions League, they made the quarterfinals. That's the best they've ever done. This is the number 36 ranked club in all of UEFA. Very strong. And the league is good as well. It's currently ranked number four in Europe. How is the team doing in that league right now? Let's take a look. They are in seventh place. And oh, how they have struggled on offense. Well below average. Number 13 there. The offense is still uh, well in the top half of the league, if not all-time great. Uh, they have two men on the scoring leaderboard for the league, despite the fact that they struggled on offense. These two basically must be responsible for all of it. Uh, Lukas Mjeka and Wout Weghorst at Germany and the Netherlands, respectively. And they've got, as far as clean sheets go, uh, tied for number one in goalkeeping, uh, Kuhn Castiles. And we also have a USA connection. John Brooks plays there. He was actually born and raised in, Ber in Berlin, but his dad is a USA uh, serviceman. And so he's eligible and has chosen a rep for the U.S. And, in fact, has 45 national team caps to his credit. Uh how have they done in the group stage? Well, they are one, two, and two. And to be perfectly honest, uh, the stats, they show why they're in last place. They've only scored four goals over those matches and given up seven. So pretty poor on both ends, to be honest. They're very lucky to be in a position where their international season might not be ending after Wednesday. The team's current form, also not great. 0-1-3 in their last four with a goal differential of just four, four, and ten against. And now Lille, the Mastiffs, and probably your favorites, despite being on the road. Uh, 
Lille, the city, is at the very north central tip of the entire country. Uh, it's really more aligned in many ways with uh, Belgium. It's uh, part of a large conurbation of towns and cities that are all part of the Flanders uh, region of Europe. So this is sort of the French Flanders capital. Uh, city proper has got about a quarter million overall metro area, uh, a million plus easily. It's the fourth biggest metro in France, in fact. They qualified for this event by winning League One last year. They were the champions. In the group stage right now, they are 2-2-1, two, two and one, getting it done almost exclusively on defense with uh, a four and three goal differential. Now, League One is currently rated as the fifth best league in Europe, which surprised me a little bit. I thought in the most recent coefficients that I caught that Portugal had passed them. Maybe neither here nor there. In any case, currently this team is in seventh place in their league. The offense has been a little bit above average. The defense has actually very much been below average. It's a miracle they're as high as the seventh place, to be perfectly honest. Must be getting a lot of gutty, gritty wins. Uh, the offense that they are getting is largely at the feet of number one league scorer, the pride of Canada. Uh, I don't know if that's his real nickname, but I'm giving it to him. Jonathan David plays forward for them, just 21 years old. And uh, this is far from his first club. He actually uh, played with Yent over in Belgium. Pretty darn good club from a top 10 league, I believe. Played for them from 2018 to 20. Uh, he mostly, he's a little bit on the shorter side for a forward. So he tends to play what's called second striker, which means he's not the lead tip of the spear, but usually plays just behind that guy and coordinates with him, can still break out and score. And he plays quite a bit of winger, which is really, I think, where he belongs because he is lightning fast. This makes him particularly super on counterattacks. Their best all-around player, though, I believe, is most likely Benjamin Andre, their central midfielder. His stats all look okay for the most part, but this is a team with a lot of speed, and he leads it. He is a beast in open space. So when they get on the counter, this is what I want you to look for if you're watching it on Paramount+. Plus. And we have another USA connection. Tim Weah plays for this team forward. Another youngster, just 21 years old. Uh, he actually played a little bit with PSG, but then he was loaned out to uh, Celtic over in Scotland. And uh, he played over twice as much over there, to be perfectly honest. I think he had injury issues. He only had a dozen or so appearances with them in his time there. But he does have 18 uh, USMNT caps to his credit. Uh, the team's form unbeaten in their last seven. They are 4-3-0, and oh, and uh, they're getting it done uh, a little bit more on defense than offense. So I'm not sure I would look for a very high-scoring match out of this one, but uh, Lille should come out on top because Wolfsburg, they've got to play for better than a draw. Match number eight. Wednesday, Europe, Champions League once again. But this time, and for the first time this episode, we switch over to the women's side of the game. The Women's Champions League, the group stage, there are just two matches left. The top two from each of these uh, groups of four are going to advance after their double round robin is done into the knockout stage, same as for the men. Uh, the third place finishes won't go anywhere. There is no secondary international club tournament yet in Europe, although I would love to see one. Uh, I'm not too familiar with this. I believe it's a streaming service. You should be able to find it online, D-A-Z-N. It's a British-based one, but uh, they also have a presence here in the U.S. And you can catch this match 
3 o'clock Eastern time. And that match is number one in their group, Chelsea FC Women, taking on number B, Juventus. Here's how the table looks. Chelsea lead Juve by three and by five on goal differential. Juventus, in turn, lead Wolfsburg out of Germany uh, by two. And then the fourth place team, they haven't earned a point. Their goal differential is 0-16. Ouch. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Chelsea won the first time these two teams uh, played when it was in Turin at Juventus, one to two. So Chelsea, just about no matter how this goes, Chelsea are definitely going to be advancing to the knockout stage. There's not tons of parity in the women's game, to be honest. The real key here is can Juventus somehow manage to get a point? Because if they don't, they're, uh, Wolfsburg at only two points back is going to be a real threat. Going into the last match, uh, they would most likely be down by a point because I see very little chance Wolfsburg uh, won't beat that Swiss team. Let's talk about Chelsea first, though. Uh, they have four domestic league titles to their credit. Last year in the Champions League, they were the runners-up. That was the best they've ever done. Uh, this is the number four-ranked club in all of Europe on the women's side. They qualified for this event by winning the WSL. That's the British top flight last year. Uh, as such, they are one of four teams that actually got to start the event in the group stage. They didn't have to play in any of the qualifying rounds like, uh, say, Juventus did. In the group stage, they are 3-1-0 and with a 13-4 goal differential. Tied for second best in event scoring, the very famous Sam Kerr. She is Australian forward, over 100 national team caps. And this is what always impresses me. She's only 28 years old and already has those 100 caps. That means she started playing for the national team when she was like 17. Also tied for number one in event assists is homegrown Fran Kirby. The 2021-22 WSL ongoing. They are in second place just behind Arsenal. Second best offense in the league. Uh, scoring over three times per match. And they also have the second best defense. They've only allowed five goals in eight matches. Wow, how good must Arsenal be this year? Uh, their form, apparently they haven't played Arsenal yet because they are on a 13-match unbeaten streak with eight straight wins. And now your challengers, Juventus. Uh, interesting side note, by the way, the final is going to be held in turn, no matter which two teams qualify. They are doing it in a neutral site. Uh, Juventus uh, basically trans uh, translates to youth, and that's appropriate for this club because they were only founded four years ago. But they play like veterans. They have won their league each of those uh, four years. Champions League, they've made it every time, obviously, and yet they've always fallen out of the Champions League in the round of 32. No better, no worse. The same every single year. And even though they're only four years old, they're already nearly a top 20 team in Europe. Now, I believe those coefficients are based on five years worth of results. So just think about that. They're already almost top 20, and they didn't exist to even earn any points five seasons ago. So qualitatively, they're probably well inside the top 20 in Europe. In any case, for the group stage, 2-1-1 one, and one is their record with an 8-4 and four goal differential. They don't really have the offense to keep up with Chelsea probably, but the defense could keep this very, very interesting. In their league right now, Serie A, they are 9-0-0 with 22-2 goal differential. Just not a lot of competition over there for them right now. Team leading scorer, got to look out for in the box score, Valentina Cernoia homegrown central midfielder. She played seven years for Brescia, and then she's been here since 2017. They're really going to need to lean on her experience. As far as the team's current form, they have only lost once, I believe, this entire calendar year, and that was, of course, to Chelsea earlier this group stage.
Match number nine. This is a Thursday match for the secondary international club tournament in Europe, the Europa League. The group stage there, it is down to his last match. Uh, just like the Champions League, it is groups of four. The top two teams are going to advance to the knockout stage. Third place finishers will drop down into that new tertiary tournament, the Europa Conference League. You can catch this one at Paramount Plus at 3 o'clock. Uh, best looking match. Looks to be number B, Braga, from their table versus number one, Red Star. They are out of Portugal and Serbia, respectively. Uh, Red Star lead in the table by just one. Braga won on the road. Nil won the first time that these two faced off in the group stage. And that's all I'm going to tell you, because as regular listeners will know, this is the time of the podcast that we like to learn about some sort of culture, our architecture. Oh, who are we kidding? 90% of the time it's food and today is going to be no different. I went in search of traditional recipes from the northern part of Portugal where Braga is and came up with a really tasty looking one, at least by the pictures I found. Cod, I believe it's Narcissa, even though it looks like it should be Narcissa. Forgive me if I get the pronunciation wrong, but the recipe should be delicious. So, uh, you're going to need cod, potato, and then something, if you want to be really traditional, called, uh, I believe it's Maggie, M-A-G-G-I, Maggie de Orta onion and garlic mixed with fine herbs. Obviously, you can make this, uh, as you listen to the recipe, you'll find that you can really make that particular uh, herbal mix any particular way you want to. But I recommend doing it this way because the picture, again, looked divine. Here's what you're going to do. Peel up those potatoes, cut those onions into slices. But now, importantly, you're going to blanch the cod in boiling water for five minutes and then drain it, dry it on a cloth. Then you're going to fry it in oil. Then you fry the potatoes and that uh, Maggie uh, de Orta mix the onion and garlic and fine herbs. I don't know why I'm saying the whole name again. In the same oil. Uh, then you're going to add things like uh, bay leaf broken into pieces. Uh, you might have laurel leaves, for example, paprika, whole cloves. Don't break those up. You're going to dump that all into the frying oil and then uh, fire it on up and boil it for five minutes. Then you're all done. On a platter, place the cod in the center if you want your presentation to be traditional, and then put the potatoes all around that, and then drizzle that sauce, that oil, just pour that over everything. That's going to be the most traditional way to do it, and I think you and possibly your guests, if you make enough, are going to just love it. I realize it's a little bit strange to talk about food in the middle of a soccer podcast, but we like to use learning about soccer as an excuse to sort of also learn about the world. And I really hope you enjoy these particular segments. And match number 10, we're done. Finally! Well, done, except for our three super cool bonus matches after this person who, but don't worry, the countdown duties are done and you did a fine job as always. But we don't start the bonus matches until we get through this particular mini preview for a group stage match from the Europa Conference League. It is the last match, just like it is in the other men's European tournaments right now for the group stage, groups of four. Top two are going to advance there's no tournament below this one, so the third-place finishers have nowhere to go but home. You can catch this one as well on Paramount Plus, 3 p.m. Eastern Time. We're going to look at what we found to be the most intriguing match of all the groups. Number three, Union Berlin taking on number B, Slavia Prague. 
Uh, earlier in the group stage, uh, Slavia Prague beat Union Berlin at home three to one. In Slavia Prague, lead Union Berlin by just one in the table. So uh, Union, they've got to get a win or their international season is going to be done. Neither of these teams can catch up with uh, Feyenoord out of the Netherlands. So it's uh, these two fighting for one spot. We'll talk about the home team first. As always, Union Berlin, they are known as the Iron Ones, Iron Workers, perhaps. And uh, largely because the blue kits were sort of said to look like, I think it was an accident originally, like Union Workers in the steel plants uh, overalls. Now, their crest doesn't have anything to do with that, but it's really worth looking up. They've got this cartoonish little bear on there, two-dimensional. It looks like something that would be on a child's butt. You're getting a side view, and uh, his tongue is sticking straight out. It's perfectly on line with uh, both with the upper and lower mandibles. And he's got this really weird look, like the one eye you can see, the eyes looking down like, what am I doing here? This is so strange. It's really cute, I promise. Google it up. It's an easy find and worth it. Anyway, back to the footy. I'm sorry, it just struck me when I saw it. It was so cute. Uh, they qualified, interestingly, as the number seven team out of the uh, Bundesliga last year, not a slot that would automatically get an international berth of any kind. But here's how they got in. Uh, the FA Cup over in Germany, the winner of that was one of the best teams in the German league, and so they didn't need two spots. And so their spot that they earned for winning the FA Cup dropped down from number six to number seven. And so here's Union Berlin, and they're happy to be here. This is the first group stage that they've ever qualified for in any European competition in their history. Congratulations. 2001-2002, uh, they were in the Europa League, and they uh, fell out in the second round, and that was actually the last time that they were in any European competition, regardless of how far they made it. In this event, they are 2-0-3 oh, and have a 7-8 goal differential. That defense has really been the problem. Uh, on the event scoring leaderboard is Geraldo Becker. He is a Dutch winger who came up with Ajax for them. As far as the Bundesliga, they are currently in fourth place, having another nice season so far. Although I don't think their statistics at least back up that they're going to be able to stay there necessarily, not without really cranking things up a couple of notches. The offense is okay. It's in the top third of the league maybe, but the defense has actually been below average. Overall, they've only got the number eight goal differential. Tied for number three in league scoring, man to look for is Taiwo Awoniyi, and I'm sure I'm butchering that name, getting my emphases on all the wrong syllables, but I can tell you more confidently, he is from Nigeria, forward, 24 years old. Liverpool fans uh, should recognize his name as they have had the rights to this player for his entire career, several years, but he's never made an appearance for them. He has always been loaned out to just a smorgasbord of uh, European and world clubs. On the assist leaderboard, another guy to look out for is Genki Haraguchi, Japanese winger. Uh, he spent plenty of time in the Bundesliga. He's also played for Hertha Berlin and Hanover. Uh, but what I like to see best, uh, he came up with a club called Yurawa Red Diamonds over in uh, Japan. The management who does our pr uh, production and editing, and then subsequently me. I believe this is our favorite Japanese team, if he doesn't mind me uh, speaking for both of us. He's got a little bit of knowledge about uh, Japan and the greater Tokyo area, and uh, the uh, 
area, Urawa is a historical area. Uh, I believe it's Santimi, if I'm pronouncing it right, is the name of the town that is there now, or city. And basically, it's the Jersey Shore of the greater Tokyo area. So I have it in my mind that they're out there living the Jim Tan, uh, Jim Tan Sushi lifestyle. And quite frankly, I want to be a part of it. As far as the team's current form, yeah, that got weird. Don't care. Team's current form, they are 3-1-1 one, one in their last five. Jim Tan Sushi. Yeah. Sure, why not? Slavia Prague, let's talk about them. Although we could talk about sushi next week if I find a recipe. Uh, they are the second best team in the Czech Republic historically. Sparta Prague is the overall best one. But it's Slavia that have been succeeding lately. They are the three-time league defending champions. Best international finish that they ever had was the semifinals of the Europa League back in the mid-90s. They did make the Europa League last year, made the quarterfinals, not too shabby. They qualified for this event, of course, as I mentioned, by winning the league. Well, they qualified for the Champions League by winning their domestic league. Didn't do so well there. Dropped down pretty quickly to the Europa League. Didn't do all that great there. And so here they are, the ECL, the international tournament, still alive and well, or tournament life, I should say. Uh, they are 2-1-2 and two in the group stage. Pretty well balanced between offense and defense. 7-6 to six goal differential. Uh, domestically this year in the first league, the top flight league in the Czech Republic where the season's about halfway done. They have the number one offense by a ton scoring well over two and a half goals per match and the number one defense. They've allowed 11 in their 16 games. Uh, tied for number B in league scoring is Jan Kukta, man to look for, for 24 years old. Team's current form, they are unbeaten in their last eight with a 6-2 and two record. And in their last four, they have really been on fire. 15-2 and two goal differential. That's enough, I think, for me to call this team the favorite. Bring forth the bonus matches. Perhaps my favorite part of the show, the bonus matches, because you, the listeners, have had a chance to have a say in what the content is going to be. My handle on Twitter is Soccer Noob USA, and at the beginning of every week, I throw up candidate matches for each of these three bonus matches. They've all got their own criteria, as you will see. The first one that we're going to talk about is a first versus last place matchup that we enjoy calling the... Route, 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 route. Of, 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 the week, 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 week. And the match from the Kenyan Premier League won in an absolute rout. I think some of our uh, friends in, in and related to one or more podcasts that we are fans of all got together and for some reason decided they were really down for learning something about the Kenyan Premier League. Well, ask and sometimes you shall receive. The Kenyan Premier League is the number 18 ranked league in all of Africa. They've got about the same number of teams as Europe, low 50s. So, you know, this is a team that's well within the top half, but a little bit sad. They're not in the top 12, and you've got to be in the top 12 to get two Champions League berths. So they only get one. On the other end of the spectrum, Two of the teams are going to get automatically relegated, and then the third to last place team at the end of the year will have to try to re-earn their spot in the Premier League by winning what's called a relegation playoff match. Interesting side note, last year the last place team was Zoo Caricho. I assume that they got just handed an absolute monster deduction on points. And then in addition to that, or in you know, possibly instead of that, if they didn't do it, the team just got kicked down, not one, but two leagues for match manipulation. Yikes. 
Back to this match, the one we're going to like it, it look at is number 18. I'm going to pronounce it Vihiga, V-I-H-I-G-A, Vihiga Bullets versus number one, Gore Mahia. And we'll talk about bullets first, since I'm not sure about the pronunciation. That seems easier to go with. A very young club, I believe, founded in 2018. Now, they might have been renamed or rebranded or something from Vihiga United, but I Take that with a grain of salt. I don't want to say for sure, so I'm going to stick with what I know, and that is that they play out of the interestingly named, uh, to my Western eyes, town called Kakamega. Insert your own punchline there. Fine. Uh, West central part of the country, a fair bit under 2 million people in the greater metro area. Uh, Interesting thing about the name, it translates uh, from, or this is kind of a folklore thing. They say that, they said for a long time, that it's from a local language that translates to the word pinch and that it was named that because the European colonists, when they arrived, would eat ugali by pinching it in a very strange way with their uh, fingers. They refused to eat it in a more traditional way. Ugali, by the way, is a porridge made out of a local maize flour. Now, that's sort of the legend, but actually it's probably from a different nearby local language, and the translation uh, literally comes out to, there's a lot of buildings. Sometimes you can't make this stuff up. I thought it was funny. In any case, uh, the stadium they play in, just to lend you some perspective, compared to the gigantic stadiums, say, of the U.S. or other parts of North America, Europe, Bukongu Stadium seats 5,000. Now, I will say that is a little bit small, even on the Kenyan side. Uh, Gore Mahia, which is a traditional power in this league, their stadium seats three times that many. As far as the table, uh, spot number 15 is, uh, well, if they can get up to 15th, that would enable them to not even have to play in the RPO. The team that occupies that spot is Leopards, and uh, they trail Leopards right now by three points in the table. It's very early in the season. To that end, their current record, 0-1-5. They're one of three winless teams in the league, but they're in last place because of their goal differential mainly, 2-16. and Woof. As far as the team's current form, uh, not so great. They actually opened the season with a nil-nil draw against current number 11, Bidco United, and then it has been all downhill losses since then. Now, uh, Gore Mahia. They play out of the capital in Nairobi. Club was founded 53 years ago. Uh, interestingly named for a legendary medicine man uh, named, uh, I, well, part of his name was Mahia, uh, in the legend, and it is L-U-O, which I believe is pronounced Luo, a local tribe and language, and the word means magic from those particular people, so you can see how it's all sort of legendary. Last year, they finished just in eighth place, which was a weird anomaly, because they had won the league the four times before that. Uh, I didn't look at their total history for uh, play, but as far as in this century, they've never made it past the Champions League first round, but they do have 19 league titles domestically to their credit. This year so far, they are the only undefeated team of the league, 4-2-0, largely kind of playing park the bus. They've got a 7-2 goal differential. Not trying to score a lot. They're not giving up much of anything. Because of that, things are still very, very tight at the top of the table. They lead four clubs by just one point. Across all competitions, their current form is 0-1-2. They sustained a loss or two in the Confederation Cup, the secondary tournament there in Africa. Could you be the most meaningless match in the world? Yes, you could. You're so boring.
Is the late Prince rolling over in his grave? Well, let's hope not, because we've really enjoyed covering his song for the most meaningless match in the world. What other podcast, I ask you, has the heart to give some attention to two teams that are right smack dab in the middle of their standings somewhere in the world, perfectly equidistant from the glories of qualifying for an international berth and the shame and horror of finishing near the bottom or at the bottom getting relegated, kicked out of their league into a lower division. Ah, yes, the most meaningless match. The one you voted for, it's on Sunday, and it comes to us from Croatia. The top flight there is called the First Division. We're going to take a glance at number six, NK Lokomotiva. They're playing host in number seven, fun to say, Shibanik. Shibanik. Yeah, it's just cool. Uh, as far as the recent series, pretty even. Locomotive have had a 4-3-3 uh, three and three record against their opponents. Shibanik, however, won earlier this se- season, the first time they played 2-1. to one. Here's how the table looks. Locomotive currently trailed number three, Dinamo Zagreb. There are teams in between, obviously, but uh, by six points, Dinamo Zagreb in the third spot represents the lowest spot that would get an international berth. So there's six points and a couple teams out of that. Shibanik lead last place, Hrvatsky Jagolovak. I still have to say that slowly, even after having practiced it like six times, by 11 points. They're in last place, and uh, only one team from this league gets relegated annually. We'll talk about Lokomotiva first. They play out of the capital of Zagreb, uh, somewhat of a yo-yo team historically. Uh, Back in 2007 through 2009, they had to fight their way back from three divisions down to get all the way back up to Division I, and they did it in those three years all in a row. Two years ago, they finished in second place right here in the top flight. That's the second time that they've done that, but they've never won the league. Uh, Last year was the first time they ever got to go to the Champions League, and they lost in the second qualifying round where they entered. Uh, 2016-17, they made the uh, playoff round, which is the round right before the group stage of the Europa League. That's the best international finish they've ever had. Last year, they finished in eighth place, so getting into the most meaningless match slot is a little bit of an improvement for them. Their statistics belie that they could actually climb up a little bit higher as well. They've got uh, tied for the fourth-best offense and defense going in the league. And four is the theme. Number four leading league-leading scorer works for them, Marco Dabro, homegrown 24-year-old forward. And yet, despite the fact that he is uh, the number four leading scorer, statistically overall, we like uh, for fun, I always like to look for the, quote, most meaningless or most average player in the traditional starting lineup in every team. And this guy, he must be a poacher because he doesn't do anything else for the team but score goals. Now, that's a very, very valuable skill, but he's basically just standing in front of the net looking for rebounds and not doing anything else for this squad. And quite frankly, if they want to go on to European competition, they're going to need a little bit more from him. Their best all-around player, in my opinion, is uh, Ivan Milicevic, 23-year-old defender. He is excellent in open space, so he can really get counterattack started. He's a very good tackler. Interesting that he's a very uh, inaccurate passer overall, but when he gets forward and has a chance to cross from the wing, he's actually very, very accurate. Team's current form, they are 0-1-2 in their last three with a really unimpressive 6-11 goal differential. Looking to take advantage and coming to town, Shibanik, the Oranges, which I think is an interesting uh, nickname because it's, uh, it's I don't think it's an orange-growing region of Europe. It's not Mediterranean, uh, but uh, 
I believe it's named after the color in their home kit. Their home kit is predominantly orange, yet despite that, their crest, other than a little bit in the soccer ball on it, has no orange to it whatsoever. So it's a strange choice. Anyway, uh, the club is named after the city of the same name. It's in the southeast central part of the country, town of about 40,000. It's an Adriatic seaport. Interesting side note. Uh, nearly all of the uh, towns of any real size along the Adriatic coast of this country were founded by various other peoples, uh, Illyrians, Greeks, Romans, who all uh, came and conquered. But this particular city was founded by Croats, or really the predecessors of the Croats anthropologically. So a very unique city culturally and in that regard. Last year, they finished in sixth place. Their statistics are very average this year, so they're really right where they should be, not likely to go up or down, in my opinion. Number three league leading scorer for them is Marin Yakulish, homegrown winger, 24 years old. He's here on loan from a little bit better a club, Hajduk Split. Uh, the most meaningless player they have, another Ivan, Ivan Delich, attacker, 23 years old. He's actually been with Hajduk Split three times. Maybe one of these times they'll actually let him stick around on a less meaningless team. A fair dribbler, decent passer, but absolutely horrible on crosses and not for lack of trying. He keeps... He wants to be involved in the offense, but he, he averages an attempt every other game on a cross, and he's only been accurate on one the entire season. Team's current form, 1-0-2 in their last three with a 5-6 and six goal differential. And now we have truly reached the end of our podcast, Rogue. The 13th and final match, the third bonus match. This is normally where I say we're not going to end on notes of happiness and joy, but rather wailing and gnashing of teeth. We truly are going to look at two really, really awful teams, two of the worst teams in their league. But this match is going to be a little bit different than normal. We're still going to call it the match of... Disappointed! But the Herculean score may not be quite so appropriate this particular time for reasons that will soon become clear. There was a four-way tie on the Twitter poll for what the match of Disappointed would be, and once I did a little exploring, I decided that we should take a look at a Monday match from Belize's FFB, which I assume stands for uh, Football Federation or Federation of Football Belize Top League is the name of their top domestic flight. It's the opening stage there. They play two stages, uh, just like all the other Latin American countries where they do Apertura and Clausura. However, since Belize was British Honduras and English is uh, far more prevalent there than Spanish, uh, they simply call them the opening stage and the closing stage. Now, here's the interesting or part of the interesting situation. The top league is uh, pretty much a brand new league. It took over for the organization that was the Premier League. The current iteration, uh, the top league is just a six-team league right now. Uh, they play a double round robin for each stage. By the way, the top four teams will go to the playoffs, and it's the weakest team, uh, weakest league in Central America. They only get one uh, CONCACAF league berth. We'll get a little bit more into the league and what makes this so interesting, but I want to at least introduce the match and get things started. Uh, it's uh, This isn't a traditional match of Disappointed. It was at the time that I scouted it. Number six and last place, Caesar Ridge, playing host to number four, Garden City. Now, that was uh, those were the bottom two teams, but the current number five team, I noticed, uh, Wagaya or Wagia, they have played an extra match since I first scouted it, and they're now sitting in between in fifth place. Neither here nor there, ultimately, really. Uh, as far Well, here's how the table looks. 
Caesar or Garden City rather have seven points. Wagia have five, and then Caesar Ridge are all the way back at just one point. But that one point they got off a draw was against Garden City when they played host to them earlier this stage. They're in a one-one draw at home, and congratulations to them for that. We'll talk a little bit about Caesar Ridge first. Now, both of these are brand new form clubs, so there's not a lot to know. Uh, the club was first organized in 2018. It's based in Belize City, which, believe it or not, is not the capital, something I didn't know. It is the largest city in the country, a central port city of about 60,000. Uh, very Caribbean in culture, which can somewhat be said for uh, all the towns and you know, the whole country, really, of Belize in certain regards, but it's particularly pronounced here in Belize City for some reason. They're 0-1-6 on the year, and they have only scored four times, and they've given up 31 goals. But this is going to be the last place team in the league. There's just no question about that. But we could forgive them, unlike what we normally do with Match of Disappointed, maybe because they are so new. Uh, they have lost four straight matches, one in 15 goal differential is their current form across that. Their first match of the season was responsible for a lot of that negative goal differential. Uh, Verdes is the team that is the historic power down here, and uh, Verdes just absolutely walloped in 13 to 1. That's about all I have for Caesar Ridge. But now we'll talk about Garden City. They are based out of the city of Belmapan, which is the capital. It's in the central part of the country. And now that location kind of it enables me to more easily segue into a little bit more about the league. Belmapan Bandits, if you followed uh, Central American football ever at all, are the team, were the team that's from there. I suppose they're still organized, and they are or were the winningest club in the entire country with nine Premier League titles. When things had to get reformed, they were one of only five of the nine Premier League clubs that got invited to play in the top league. Four others were refused, or uh, were refused. This team, or not this team, Bel uh, Garden City, but Belmopan Bandits refused to play in the new league because they still want to recognize the old Premier League executive as the main guy, and he's not involved with this new league at all. They're also arguing uh, that FIFA has given them money that's supposed to be helping the teams directly, and instead that money has been turned and funneled just to the new top league organization. Also, I saw something about Belmopan Bandits being denied online licensing access. So because they have refused to play, in the new top league, a new team had to be formed, and that team is uh, Garden City. They are 2-1-4 and four in the year with a 5-8 and eight goal differential. Uh, they're actually tied on points with number three, San Pedro, uh, in the table just behind a goal differential. And their form, it's promising. They're 2-1-0 and oh in their last three, and that loss wasn't a bad one. They just lost to number two, Altitude. So in learning about Belmapan Bandits, that leads us to know a little bit more about Garden City. Now, even though we treated this in a very a-traditional fashion compared to most of our matches of Disappointed, just for fun, we will still send these to Sad Sack bottom-feeding loser teams out with our usual traditional fashion. It was bad. It was awful. I was terrible. Hey, boo. boo. 
And that'll put a bow on episode 60 of Soccer Noob Rock in America. I'd like to thank the management for all his editing and production wizardry. To Dan, my former website's former former Interno Inferno for all of his creative efforts. We've got to give him a shorter moniker all in all. And of course, to my daughter, Persa Noob, thank you so much for helping out. I love you very much, and I'm glad we get to do this together. And... No kisses for you, because that would be weird. But thank you so much for listening. And if you've got funny-minded friends, we really endeavor to create something unique. There's nothing like this, I don't think, on the soccer podcast landscape, for better or worse. Why not share it? Someone might thank you, or they might look at you askance. Either one could be fun. In any case, until next time, have a fabulous footy week. Take care.